What is good, everyone? This is the views from the 573 podcast, the podcast that has not yet entered the transfer portal, but if you give us a, a substantial offer, we'll consider it. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan McDaniel, and it is that time of season where you got players entering the portal already and teams looking at adding some of these guys. A lot of big-name guys have already entered the portal already, a lot of notable quarterbacks, but we're not going to be talking about that. We are just one week. Or not even that. We're a few days away from finding out who's going to be competing in the college football playoff. And we got some conference championship games that are going to sort these things out for us, along with the committee that I don't know if they will know what they're going to do on Sunday, but let's hope they do. Uh, But we got 10 conference title games going on this weekend, including two going on tonight, including a big one with a highly anticipated rematch of Oregon-Washington Pac-12 title game on the line, a de facto playing game, kind of like how Michigan and Ohio State was. So we got that on Friday night, and then we got a lot of games going on. The Big 12, SEC, the ACC, the group of five teams, just everybody playing on Saturday. So going to be a fun weekend. And then, of course, we're going to be talking about the NFL a little bit later on. We got a big game this week with the 49ers and Eagles. That one could determine how the rest of the NFC could go. I mean, of course, the Cowboys are going to say something about that, but we got that game to look forward to this weekend, and you're going to be a, a fun time talking about that one as it's a rematch of the NFC title game last year. And Brock Purdy, hopefully he'll get to play in that game instead of just playing just the first snap or first possession, and we get to see them do battle fully healthy. But let's get right on into this week's show. Let's talk about some of these matchups, and let's start off with the group of five teams that are going to be playing. Uh, Let's start off in no particular order. Let's start off in Conference USA, Liberty and New Mexico State. Liberty undefeated this year, 12-0. Jamie Chadwell, first year on the job there, done an excellent job. And New Mexico State, talk about them. They beat Auburn the week before the Iron Bowl, 9-3. Their game is going to be later today. And taking a look at this game, a little bit closer look, New Mexico Mexico State is around a 10-point underdog in this one. Liberty, they have won their last five games by at least 13 points, including, and not to include these last five games, but... They did win by 13-plus over New Mexico State on September 9th, 33-17. to So Liberty has the edge on them. And right now, looking at this line, it's around 10, 11 or so. So it's right around that a little bit more of what Liberty did to New Mexico State a couple months ago. Uh, Caden Salter, who this stat kind of surprised me, former UT quarterback, transferred out there to Liberty. Fourth-rated passer in the country behind Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, and Jalen Milrow. So he's having an awesome season for Liberty. Uh, Glad to see that he's having a good season after transferring out and is finding some success at Liberty and has led this team to an undefeated season. And I have to imagine Liberty, I, I feel good about picking them to win this game. Again, they already had the edge up on New Mexico State despite New Mexico State beating Auburn a couple weeks ago. And for Liberty, they need Tulane to lose this week. So they, 
not only do these Power 5 teams need some teams to lose, you also need uh, these group of five teams need somebody to lose. And Liberty, they need Tulane to lose. So they can have a shot for a group of five New Year's Six bowl bid and try to get that spot. So Liberty and Tulane, they both have something to play for this week. I'm going to go with the Flames here to continue their undefeated season and get to 13-0 and take down the Aggies. Again, that game is later today. So li- give me Liberty. And I, I mean, you all know the phrase. Uh, but I'll take them to get to and get to 13-0, and we'll see if they get to a group of five New Year's Six game. Next up, the Sun Belt, Appalachian State versus Troy. Appalachian State kind of in on a technicality because James Madison is ruled as ineligible. So they are here by default. They've been at four of the last six Sun Belt conference title games. So safe to say they have experience here in this bowl game or in this conference title game. Troy, they ha- they've they lost only to James Madison and Kansas State this year. So they've only got two losses on the season so far. And looking at them in this game right now, they are favored. And this one's going to be a little bit – it's going to be right around the same time as the AAC title game and uh, the SEC title game on Saturday. But Troy right now, they're about a touchdown favorite over Appalachian State. They've got the 11th-ranked defense as far as yards per play and the 10th-ranked scoring defense in the country. So safe to say this defense is going to look to slow down App State and try to keep this a low-scoring game for that side of the ball. And Troy, they have won nine straight this season. After, uh, of course, losing their two games earlier against James Madison and uh, Kansas State. So I think I'm going to go with Troy. It, you know, again, Appalachian State is kind of here on a technicality and sure, maybe they'll probably win. They got the experience here, but I will take Troy here to win this one and declare them a Sun Belt Conference champs. So I will take Troy to win this one and i just gotta okay there's there it is on the spreadsheet so i will take troy to win this one next one up we've got some action here with miami of ohio taking on toledo the red hawks versus the rockets toledo looking to win back-to-back mac titles and they got one of the league's best offenses but guess what so does miami of ohio Toledo, they average 6.6 yards per play, average over 35 points per game. And Miami of Ohio, 5.83 yards per play, and then 27 points per game. So safe to say, this one I think has all the makings of a shootout here for the MAC title game. And I have to remember if this game is played where the Lions play, because I remember it being played there for so many years and yet it's still being played there at Ford Field so there's going to be a lot of offense in this one it's only 44 and a half the over under is I think I would take the over on that one with how much these teams get up and down the field although you know Toledo did end up winning earlier this year or against Miami of Ohio, 21 to 17. So maybe there's something to that. That's a little bit less than 44 and a half, but I have to imagine it might be a little bit high, more high scoring this matchup and trying to see who's going to take home the title. 
in Miami. They've only lost to the other Miami and Toledo. And Toledo, their only loss has been a two-point road loss to Illinois. So they're looking to get to 12-1. and And I think they will get to 12-1. and And I'm going to take Toledo to win this one. Toledo is favor- favored to win in this one. But I think over-under, if you're looking at that action right there, I think maybe take the slight over on that one. I think this will be more high-scoring than their last matchup. So I'll take Toledo to win the MAC. Next one up, we got the Mountain West. Boise State in this one. And this one was decided by a computer as to far as far as who's going to get in. San Jose State left out by the computer. So Boise State is in and they get in after winning three of their last games. They fired their coach. They've lost their quarterback, and here they are in the conference title game as they take on UNLV, their first appearance in the title game. So kind of like the same thing here with Appalachian State and Troy. Boise State has had experience in this type of game. UNLV hasn't. But Barry Odom has done a good job with UNLV this year. They lead the league in points per game. So that's something to take in mind as well. Boise State is favored, though, to win in this one. And maybe they're counting on Boise State's big game experience in this title game to come in handy. Uh, One thing to take note of, turnaround for this game. Of course, you got tonight, you got Oregon-Washington. And then the next day, you got this game. So it's going to be a quick turnaround. You wonder how the field is going to be after the game. Uh, for the Pac-12 title game and heading into the Mountain West title game. So you wonder about that. I think I'm going to go against the favorite in this one. I think I'm going to go and take UNLV. Uh, The over-under for this one is nearly 60, so keep that in mind. But I'll take UNLV, despite it being their first time in this scenario. Uh, Boise State getting in on, on pretty much, I guess, by the computer. Um, I, I will take UNLV to win this one and get to 10 wins. So that'd be a remarkable season by Barry Odom with the Rebels as you know they've been flying under the radar. So I'll take them to win the Mountain West. And then our final one, our final group of five game, this one might be one of the better games of the weekend. Definitely going to be the best group of five title game, I think. SMU. Versus Tulane. Both these teams are undefeated in their conference schedules this year. Both they know SMU 10 and 2, Tulane 11 and 1. Tulane is seeking their second straight New Year's Six bowl game. And if they win this one, they get it. If they don't, then it, if Liberty wins, then it's going to them. Uh, they are in a good scenario right now. SMU's quarterback, Preston Stone, got hurt last week and so you got a redshirt freshman and Kevin Jennings that's going to get the start and SMU even though they're going to be without Stone their offense has been one of the better offenses out there 6.5 yards per play and their defense 5.4.5 yards per play they've been really good too but Tulane I feel like with them they're going to be looking to secure their New Year's Six Bowl game Again, for a second straight year, no pressing stone. I think I will take Tulane to win this one. 
and say they get to their second straight New Year's Six Bowl game. So it'd be big for Tulane if they do that. Again, their only loss has been to Ole Miss this year. So I think they win, and we'll get to see who they get this year. After you know, last year they took down USC. See if they get another big name opponent, and see if they can take them down. See if they can make it two years in a row where they do that. So, moving on from the group of five games, let's talk about the power five games. And kind of going to start from the least interesting to the most interesting. And we're going to start in the Big Ten with Iowa versus Michigan. Harbaugh's going to be back on the sidelines for this one. So, you know, Michigan is going to be excited about that. Iowa, maybe one of the grossest 10 win seasons I've seen. Uh, ten and two, they win the uh, they, they won the Big Ten West. I guess it's not that hard to win that one. And what's their reward? It's probably going to be a blowout. I don't think this one is going to be close at all. Michigan, they are playing on all cylinders right now. They're getting their coach back on the sidelines. They're going to be ready to go and say take care of business, and which I think they will. And the line is around 21, 21, 22. But I do think Michigan wins this one in a blowout. They take care of business. This game will never be in doubt. And I will take the Wolverines, get to 13-0, and and secure their playoff spot. And, you know, speaking of playoffs, didn't talk about that at the top, but one thing before we get to the NFL is kind of go through a couple different scenarios that could happen this weekend. A lot of interesting scenarios. And, I don't think Michigan losing is Michigan losing is not involved in them. I think it's safe to say Michigan will take care of business, but I guess you never know. Maybe Iowa will surprise everybody, but I think Michigan is the safest pick out of these group out of these Power Five championship games. So I'm going to take the Wolverines here. The next one up, the ACC title game, Florida State versus Louisville. Of course, Louisville coming off their loss to Kentucky last week. Florida State, narrow nine-point victory over Florida. I think a key for Florida State this week, don't be outgained by Louisville. That's what happened last week against Florida, and they only won just barely. But their defense had a part to play in that. Jared Verse came alive in that game. He made his impact felt, and Florida State's going to need that again. They're going to need a defensive performance to help them in this one. Jawar Jordan, the Louisville running back, really good running back and underrated running back in the country. Plummer is making his 37th, 38th start. So he's got a lot of experience. So Florida State's defense, I think is going to need to be on point in this one. They're going to have to get their pass rush going. They're going to have to stop the run. Although they haven't been that great at that, they're going to need to do that this weekend. Uh, Louisville, they're going to need their pass rush to show up as well. It hasn't really shown up much in the second half of the season, so you're going to need it to show up and really kind of give you a chance here in this game. And, you know, I would say, you know, Louisville, in in this scenario, if Jordan Travis was playing in this game, Florida State, easy favorite. The game is not, what, about a field goal spread? I believe it's like two and a half. Uh, right now so if Jordan Travis is playing this one would be well over a touchdown I think and that's 
you know, it, the reason it would be more is because how good of a season Louisville's had. But you know, with how Florida State played last week, again, they I think they need to make a statement, and I think they need to make a statement this weekend to really kind of solidify it. We kind of forget, you know, several years ago, Ohio State lost their quarterback. You get Cardell Jones coming in. He does pretty well, and Ohio State is in. He does well. So maybe it could be a scenario here. I think I'm going to take Louisville here in this one. I think I'm going to go against the favorite in this one, against Florida State. And I will gonna I will go with the Cardinals here. Uh, Jeff Brom has just done a good job with this program here in year one, got them to this point, got them to a 10-win season, got them competing for a conference title. And I think he'll, he gets them the conference title. So I will take Louisville here to beat Florida State. In that scenario, Florida State would probably – they would probably be done in that scenario. So I think I'm going to take the Cardinals to beat Florida State and get the New Year's Six Bowl game too. They're going to get a good spot too. I, I don't know which New Year's Six game it would be, but it's going to be a good one. So I will take Louisville to win that one. Next one up, we got the Big 12 title game. And that is between Oklahoma State and Texas. It would be a cool storyline for Oklahoma State to send OU and Texas to the SEC with a loss, with a nice parting gift. Yeah, Oklahoma State. Sending OU out with a loss earlier this season. And so it wouldn't be particularly fitting. You know, the script that, you know, it does kind of set off to be that type of scenario here. Uh, OU, uh, Oklahoma State, their running game has been amazing this year. Ollie Gordon has over 1,500 yards and 20 touchdowns this year. And he's going to be facing off against a stout physical run defense in Texas, Sweat and Murphy on the interior are about as good as you can get. So he is going to have a tough time going up against that front of Texas. The rest of that team is physical and tough as well. They probably got the best win of the season on the road at Bama, double digits. And last week played a really great game against Texas Tech. Blew them out. You got to see Arch Manning on the field, I believe, for the first time all season. So Texas, I think, they know what's at stake here. You got a couple of players like Worthy that are banged up. Their running game, even though Jonathan Brooks has been hurt, you got Baxter and Blue stepping up in that backfield. Ewers is back, and he's healthy and ready to go. I think it's tough to pick against Texas, but I think for funsies, it would be fun to see Oklahoma State send both the Big 12 powers in Texas and OU to the SEC with a, a parting gift of a loss. But I'm going with the Longhorns here and say they get their Big 12 title as they head out of the conference. So it's kind of funny, you know, it, Texas leaves the SEC for the SEC. It's like, we're going to take a Pac-12 title on the way out too. So I will take Texas to beat Oklahoma State. And then for these next two, I'll, I'll just start off with the game tonight because these two are the most interesting games i think of the conference championships the two most probably highly anticipated games of this weekend starting off tonight washington versus oregon a rematch of a few weeks ago with washington winning that game at home 
And both these teams have been kind of different since that game. Washington has had had a couple run-ins with some close games against teams they probably should have beaten pretty handedly. Oregon, on the other hand, has looked like a completely dominant team. Bo Nix has looked incredible. Bucky Irving has looked awesome. Troy Franklin's looked like one of the best receivers in America. And that team really embodies that kind of style that Dan Lanning has brought in, where they're just physical up front on both sides of the football. And so you take a look at this matchup. And also, this is kind of like a de facto Heisman type of matchup. There's a lot of push about Jane Daniels, the LSU quarterback, winning it. But Penix, I don't think, is out of it. And Bo Nix, he's certainly in the conversation as well. So I think maybe whoever wins this one could potentially win the Heisman too, as well as being a potential playing game to get into the college football playoff. And so you take a look at this game and this matchup between these two teams. Washington, again, they played a lot of tough, close games against teams they shouldn't. And Oregon right now, they've been playing some good ball. And, you know, it's crazy to think about. If you take a look at the line here in this one, I think what people think of Oregon right now, they're catching nine, nine and a half points as being the favorite in this one. That's kind of nuts to think about in this scenario with Washington having beat them early on in the season. Kind of insane to think about. And so now you get this rematch. you got Oregon having the best pass defense and scoring defense in the league. And they just... I, this one's going to be a tough one to pick. This is kind of like a coin flip type of game in which you really don't know who's going to win. And you know what? I think I think I'm going to take Washington to win, even though Oregon is favored. I think Washington playing in some of those close games down the stretch, I think that will help them in this scenario in trying to win a rematch. So I'm going to take the Huskies. I mean, it's kind of, again, that line is kind of shocking to see. It's like, wow, Oregon is favored by nearly double digits in this rematch to a team that they lost to. But that was a really close game. And if you remember us talking about it, a lot of fourth down calls that were probably the right calls, but it's just like the plays that were called weren't the right in that scenario. I think I will take Washington to win, even though can these teams seem like they've been on different paths since their game a few weeks ago. I think I'm going to take the Huskies. I think they stay undefeated and they secure their spot in the college football playoff. Now let's get to Bama and Georgia. And boy, oh boy, what a way to send CBS on SEC out with these two SEC Titans doing battle one last time on the network. Thank goodness it's going to be the last time I'll have to hear Gary call a game. We got these two teams coming off of kind of sluggish performances, Georgia only being Georgia Tech by about eight, but game was well in hand at that point, never in doubt. Bama's game was in doubt, and if it wasn't for Auburn being stupid on defense, they they really wouldn't have been thought about as potentially maybe handing Georgia a loss here. Um, I mean, maybe they still could, but, you know, they would be 11-2. They'd have 
no shot at getting it to the CFP, I think. And we'd have Nick Saban crying about it. So in this scenario, is this Bama team going to be, is this Bama team built to win against Georgia? Well, if, if you get Jalen Milrow that's on point, that's decisive and on time, I think so. And even though this Georgia defense isn't what it was, what it's been the last couple of years, they can still get after QBs and make life difficult for them. Uh, taking, uh, you know, the last time Georgia lost was to Bama in the 21 title game. And Bryce Young was on point and decisive in that game. They also had great receivers in that game. And they ended up winning that one. Bama, kind of a little bit of a different story here. No really great receivers out for Bama. And Milrow is not Bryce Young. And one thing for Georgia to keep an eye on is, you know, they're going to keep an eye on Milrow. Make sure he doesn't get out of the pocket. Make an explosive place. Make sure to be, be sure tacklers out there in the open field and get him down. Don't let him make any explosive plays with his legs because he can do that. He can definitely do that. So that's something to keep an eye on for Georgia. For Bama on the defensive side of the football, you know, this Georgia offense really, we talked about it a couple times. It's been different from years past. They've made a lot of explosive plays. The passing game looks good. You got Bowers back. McConkey is making plays. You got to find him. You got to watch out for LeVette and Ra-Ra Thomas and watch them out there. The running game, also physical. This And Carson Beck has played some good football this year. You know, there's a lot of doubt, I think, on my side as well, as well as a lot of other people about how good was Beck going to be with Georgia and him running this offense. He's been just fine. He's been really good this year. So, I mean, you take a look at this game. I think, man, it... Well, it's tough to pick against Bama a lot of times, and I did this year with the third Saturday in October, and we all know how that went. I think I'm going to take Georgia to win this one. I think they still stay undefeated, and this would be their 30th straight win. That's still kind of crazy. Again, that stat kind of feels like it's NCAA football game type of stuff right there, but I'm going to take the Bulldogs here to win this one, stay undefeated, and get their number one seed in the CFP. So let's talk about the CFP real quick. Let's talk about a couple different scenarios because there's some that have caught my eye that could be like, that could be chaotic. And, you know, there's one that popped into my mind that was like, oh man, what do you do in this scenario? So let's talk about a couple of them. So this first one, let's say all your favorites win. So Taking a look at it, let's just say Oregon wins, Michigan, Texas, Georgia, Florida State. They all win. They're all favored. They're all in. They all win their title games. They're good. So you take a look at that. Michigan, Georgia, I think clearly get in. And then what would the committee do with a one-loss Oregon team a one-loss Texas team, both teams winning their title games, and an undefeated Florida State team that won their conference title game. 
if you take it, here's what I would do. In that scenario, I would go with the best teams. Now, you can, Florida State, you could say, hey, they're undefeated. They're the most deserving. So even though they'll probably get killed in the semifinal game by Georgia, they should still go. What in that scenario, I definitely would go Georgia one, Michigan two, and then have and go Oregon and Texas in there. And say, and, but I don't think the committee will do that. I think the committee was like, we got to put Florida State in there. They're an undefeated conference champion. So they would get put in there. So let's take a look at this scenario. Let's say all your favorites win, but Bama beats Georgia. And this is where I feel like it would be the best scenario if you want two SEC teams in the playoff. So Oregon wins, Texas wins, Bama wins, Florida State wins, and Michigan wins. I think in this scenario, I think Texas, out of all these scenarios, I think they would want this one to happen to get their way in because I don't think you can put Bama in there and leave Texas out after what Texas did to Bama earlier this season. And if Bama does win, that looks like the best win in America. I mean, I still think it is. But they would become really undisputed in that point if Bama beats Georgia and wins the SEC title game. So if all the favorites win and Bama wins, Michigan probably moves up to number one. And then you got three spots for five teams here. So somebody's not going to be happy. I think there's going to be team. There's definitely going to be a team or two that's not going to be happy this weekend. I mean, go figure. The last year of this format of the CFP, you got a lot of teams that feel like they're deserving. So go figure. In the last year of this format, of the 14 format, <laughs> that you had this happen. And, and you're going to get somebody not happy. So what happens in that scenario? Does Florida State get in? You you also have at that point a twelve on twelve and one a couple a few twelve and one teams with Oregon, Texas, Bama, Georgia, with three of those being conference champions and Georgia not winning their conference championship. Bama, I think, does go in that scenario. I think Texas goes, and that leaves one spot. And what do you do? And, th- and if Georgia loses, this is probably the scenario you would want. Is that you would want this scenario to happen in which does the committee leave out Florida State, an undefeated Florida State that's a conference champion, or do they take Georgia, which they know will be a better matchup as a four seed taking on Michigan, in which you would have those two facing off and then you put Bama and, Georgia and Texas in there. Maybe it, you put those two teams in there, let them have a rematch, or you put Oregon in there. So you see, even in that scenario, somebody's not going to be happy. And another thing I've thought about, okay, so what if Oregon does win? All right, well, in this scenario, if Oregon wins, they eventually only loss, and do they get left out? But I also got to wonder if... It may be tied to another scenario. It may be tied to Ohio State somehow getting in. And I, you know, and I think it is. So I'll pr- I'll save for that one. You know, let's just go on to that one. And this is scenario two. So let's say Michigan and Georgia win. They take care of business. 
they automatically get in as the top two teams. Georgia one, Michigan two. Well, let's say you have chaos happen. Florida State lose, Oregon lose, Washington, they're undefeated. They get in. Well, let's say Texas loses. You got Bama losing. Louisville, even though they won their conference champion, they're not going to be the first two-loss team to get in there. It's not going to be Louisville. This is the scenario Ohio State, I think, is rooting for. And this is the, the scenario we talked about, that three-team parlay. If they get a Texas loss, a Bama loss, and a Florida State loss, I think you got to take Ohio State and put them in there, in which case you're going to get another Georgia-Ohio State semifinal game. And then you're going to get Michigan versus Washington, which would uh, be fantastic. But the other scenario I thought about here is like, okay, well, let's just say this. Florida State loses, so I think they, they're out. You got two lost Texas, two lost Bama, two lost Louisville. But you have Ohio State sitting here. And let's say Oregon beats Washington. And, you know, I'm thinking about that, you know, both those teams playing Utah and how Utah is not ranked in the CFP. So that takes away a loss from their resumes. But let's just say Oregon beats Washington. And both those teams, 12-1, and Oregon is a conference champion. Washington, pretty solid resume. Even though, again, they've slacked off here in the last half of the season. Played some teams that they probably should have beat easily. Had some close games. What do you do in that scenario where you got Georgia and Michigan locked in? But you have Ohio State out here. He's got a good resume. Close road loss at Michigan in a tough environment. You went on the road and beat Notre Dame. You beat Penn State. So there's your two big wins. What about Oregon and Washington? Would you consider taking two Pac-12 teams in there? Would it be an argument of like, okay, Washington versus Ohio State's resume? How do they stack up against each other? So you see what I'm getting at here? There's a, That's a scenario in which you could see maybe two Pac-12 teams getting in there, potentially, and argue like, are they better than Ohio State? Does Ohio State deserve to get in? So there's that scenario. And then the last scenario I think here is like, it, this will probably be the doomsday for Texas. Like All the undefeated teams win, and Texas wins. That would probably be the cleanest right there. Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State all take care of business. Texas gets left out. That'd probably be the scenario they would that would be the scenario they would not want. They would want some chaos up top. So there's a lot to still happen this weekend. And I don't know what to root for. Do I want it to be clean or do I want it to be chaotic? You know, it's kind of tough. Uh, but man, excited to sit down and watch these games. Uh, tonight and tomorrow and see what unfolds and how we're going to get everything settled on Sunday. So it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. So up next, we got the NFL week number 13 on tabs for us. And of course, we had our Thursday night game with the Cowboys and the Seahawks in a shootout, which kind of took me by surprise. Uh, was working last night, was kept on checking up on this one and Seahawks made it a game and with how Seattle has performed these last few weeks kind of a little bit of surprise and this was Dallas's first 
real tough test in a stretch of games, which include a lot of tough tests with the Eagles, Bills, Dolphins. I know I'm forgetting a, a fourth team in there that they have coming up before they finish off the season with the Commanders. So they got a lot of tough games coming up, and this one was the first one, their first win over a team that was 500 this season, if I'm correct. The Seahawks were 6-5 and five coming into this game, and they end up winning, and they end up losing this one. Dallas stays perfect at home and gets the victory to get to 9-3 and three as, man, that, Dak, again, looked sharp last night. Geno looked sharp last night. Geno had an excellent game. Three touchdowns, 334 yards. Running game for Dallas kept on you know, doing what it's been doing, a whole lot of nothing. DK Metcalf, talking about an efficient night, six catches, three touchdowns, 134, <laughs> including that big one that he had where like his top speed was like 22, 23 miles per hour. So like it, it showed off his athleticism and how much of a freak athlete he is. And Dallas's defense, I think, is the story of this game. You take a look at it, 35 points. I mean, not great, you know, with how this Dallas defense, you know, it, it's going to have its test. You got Billy, you got Miami, you got teams that love to score. And even though the Bills are in a weakened state right now, you got to keep an eye on them. So Dallas's defense, they got to get right before they got these teams come in and face them. And also, to make it up before you leave and talk about the other games, how do you leave Micah Parsons unblocked on a on a huge fourth down call? Uh, it's just baffling to me. It's like, guys, you know what would be an excellent strategy? Let's let Micah Parsons, number 11, just run free. Ha- have a straight line to the quarterback and let him have it. You know, I, I don't get it. But Dallas gets a win. They get the 6-0 and at home to bring up that home record. And nine and three. So big win as a test with all these other teams coming up. Huge win, but the defense needs to get fixed up. And pick Dallas in that one beforehand. So good on that. Let's talk about the other nine games that we got coming up this week. And we're going to start off with the Colts and the Titans. Divisional matchup, of course, the Colts took the first matchup earlier on in the season and in that matchup, the Colts did not have Jonathan Taylor. And for this one, they will not have Jonathan Taylor as he is out maybe for a couple weeks or so. And talk about the right time of my fancy team, if you couldn't detect the sarcasm. But he is out for a couple weeks. Zach Moss, who played, or, well, JT, well, did JT play in that game? I can't remember. Um, it's been so long. But Zach Moss in that game, I do remember that. He had an awesome game in there. Uh, it, in Indy the first time and he's going to be taking on the workload again in this one and really since that game the Titans run defense has kind of been lacking and really kind of showed some deficiencies there and in that game I think it was in which Anthony Richardson went down so it's been that long since Gardner Minshew He's done fine, but the turnovers are kind of come back lately, so that's something to keep an eye on. But the Titans' defense, the secondary, it isn't all that great. So if you're Gardner Minshew, you got Mike, you got Michael Pittman, you got Josh Downs, Alec Pierce, got a couple tight ends that can maybe be some mismatches, and you got Zach Moss who did well against this team. I feel like they should be good in this one. A couple of things that we'll have to give 
taking a look at a couple things, Colts have won three straight, and they're four and one on the road. While the Titans, they're four wins this year, all at home. So something is going to give in this one. So I think for this one, I'm going to go with the Colts here. I I'm curious to see how Levis does against the Colts this time, since you know he didn't get the start in that first game. How do the Colts prepare for him and this offense? I mean, the offense hasn't been great, but I'm going with the Colts in this one. I think I'm going to take them. The red zone defense is also pretty solid for the Colts. It's been that way since week nine. And Titans, uh, there's been some time. Uh, there's been a lot of games this year where they've struggled to score in the red zone. So. Give me the Colts here to beat the Titans and end their home winning streak and continue their road winning streak. Something's going to give, and I think it's a Titans home streak. Lions at Saints. Give me a sneaky good one here. Uh, Lions, they had a couple leaks in the secondary, and Jordan Love just you know feasted on them on Thanksgiving, and the Packers got the win. So the Lions are looking to recover, but for them, they got a a couple extra days off, nine plus days, I believe, since they've last played. And dating back to around this time last season when they've had nine plus days off and their last few outings when that's happened, they scored 30, at least 30 in those games. So for Saints defense that's been struggling here recently since what week number six, who's given up over 24 a game and giving up over 350 yards per game. That's kind of troubling, even though they do have the ninth-ranked scoring defense in the league. That's a little bit concerning right there with that stat. And the Saints offense, they've only scored 20 once in the last three games. Um, a couple things to take note of with that. You might be without Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Shahid. You might be without one or two of those guys, and that could be big, even with Derek Carr coming back. That could be a recipe for success for Detroit to have that happen. Good timing. One thing to know, though, for Detroit in that offense, if it's going to put up 30, Goff needs to be better about protecting the football. There's been a couple turnover-prone games that he's had here as of late, so he needs to take care, better care of the ball. But I think I'm going with the Lions in this one. Just a little bit of uncertainty there with who the Saints might have out there on offense. And the defense has not been great as of late. So I will take the Lions. I think they'll they'll bounce back later this week and get to 9-3. and three. Make things more interesting in the NFC where you got a lot of – you got the big 49ers-Eagles game, which we'll talk about, that could change a lot in the NFC. Of course – Eagles will still be on top if they win, but could change a lot of narratives in the conference. Falcons at Jets. Of course, he's not going to play in this game. Big news with the Jets, though. Aaron Rodgers, the 21-day window to practice is open. I don't really see the need for him to come back. I mean, I don't think the Jets are at 4-7 and seven right now. They're not in a good spot. I think they're probably done and out of the playoff race. If I'm completely honest, their offense hasn't gotten a whole lot done. And for Aaron Rodgers coming off that series of an injury, you're going to need an offense line to protect them. And I don't think that's going to be the case. So honestly, would probably just say, hey, let's just get some more rehab time in. 
Let's not rush this. And let's come back next year. Let's try to do this again. Let's try to do this right and not get hurt on the first drive of the season. But as far as this game, Jets run defense, not that great. They are 31st against the run. And Bijan, I think, is starting to feel it. So for you Bijan fantasy owners, it could be a good week for you guys. As far as the passing defense goes, Jets' pass defense is the better part of that side of the ball. And for Desmond Ritter, he has not finished a game with more TDs than turnovers since week five. So if you're a Jets defense that likes to feast on quarterbacks turning over the ball, this could be the week and trying to get you in some potential short field situations and helping out, you know, Tim Boyle, Zach Wilson, or at this point, might as well sign one of us off the streets. It's a quarterback for the team. I think I'm going to go with the Falcons here. It is, does kind of feel like a coin flip type of game if the Jets can create some turnovers here. But I think Bijan, I think Arthur Smith will lean on that running game in this one, attack that run defense. And I have the Falcons winning this one. Next one up, we got the Dolphins at the Commanders. And I feel pretty safe in taking the Dolphins here. Dolphins are around 10-point favorites. And Washington's defense is not great. They've, As far as their pass defense, they are tied for the league, league in 20-yard plays allowed. And what can the Dolphins do best? Make those types of big explosive plays. So I can see this where the Dolphins just turn it on and take control of this game and beat the Commanders. Now, the Commanders can be scrappy at times. And Sam Howe can be amazing, for better or for worse. Uh, but the Commanders have lost three straight. I think they'll it'll be four straight after this one. I will take the Dolphins here as they get to 9-3 and three and they got some big games coming up, too, and they're going to prove that they can beat some of these winning teams, kind of like Dallas of the AFC, in a sense. they got to prove they can beat these teams with winning, winning records. Speaking of teams with winning records right now, and they've kind of surprised everybody with how they play, the Broncos at Texans should be a fun one. For Denver, of course, they've had their big winning streak that they've had here where they have won five in a row and they've been amazing their defense has taken the ball away 15 times in that stretch but the broncos have not been on the road in a long time and they're about to endure on a three-game road trip starting at houston and you take a look at cj stroud and what he's done at home versus away it's done statistically a whole lot better at home he's thrown for at home, he throws for over 330 yards. He's got a 15-4 to 4 touchdown-interception ratio. So I think it's pretty safe to take Houston in this scenario. The key for Denver will be to see if that defense of theirs carries on over into a road setting. If it can, then the Broncos, I think, can win. They played – their defense has been good. Russ has been sneaky good. He's not making any big, huge, explosive plays, but he's playing safe – taking what the defense is giving him, moving the ball, the ball down the field efficiently. 
But I think I'd like the Texans at home here after just narrowly losing last week. I think Stroud, again, with how good he is at home, Denver's defense is going to have to be on point. But I think I'm going to take the rookie all-star and say Houston gets their seventh win and ends Denver's winning streak, which Texans getting to seven wins I don't think was on anybody's bingo card for this season. And so it would just be a remarkable turnaround for the Texans. And also, I mean, they got a couple of draft picks next year. At least, well, no, I'm okay. Never mind. Cardinals have their draft pick. So it's probably the best time for the Texans to just go off on this and, and just say, you know, we trade our first round picks. We got Stroud, the face of the offense. Will Anderson trying to hope he's the face of the defense. And so there you go. So probably the best time for them to get this good but i think they get the win this weekend seven and five take down the broncos stroud has another good game he's just been electric out there uh i don't know if anybody could have seen this coming and uh probably frank reich wishes the panthers could have taken him uh, but you know so we talk about this all the time it's some where it depends on where you end up you're the product of your environment and he stroud has ended up in a good environment with the texans i don't think we could have said that a few months ago we would have laughed people off the stage if they were saying, like, yeah, he'll be good in that environment. But he's done well. So kudos to them and D'Amico and the way that they've got things rolling there. Then we got the Browns at Rams this week. And the Rams, their defense is looking pretty good. Kyron Williams is back, and he had an amazing game last week. And the Browns' run defense isn't all that solid. You, they're there's a little bit of a concern about if Miles Garrett is good to go and he should be fine. So we'll see if the if he's out there, then Browns defense should feel really good about their matchup. But on the opposite side, on the offensive side, you might be starting Joe Flacco. Old man Joe might be getting the start here against this solid Rams defense. And that is if DTR can clears concussion protocol. You know, call me crazy. I feel like the Rams are, you know, they're five and six. They've been kind of sneaky with how they've done things here. I think I'll take the Rams here to win this one, even though I imagine Cleveland is a favorite in this game. And no, the Rams are the favorite in this game. Favorite by about three, three and a half. So I guess that's home field advantage cooking right there for them. So yeah, I'll take the Rams here. I think I'll take the Rams to get the win and get to six and six. And I I don't know if we thought this Rams team with how it's form, how it's been this year. I don't think we would have seen this. So they've six and six, and maybe they can sneak into the back half of the NFC wild card. But Browns, I think they would fall to seven and five. Rams get to a five hundred. Now let's talk about the game of the week. Or I don't know. Should we? You know what? Screw it. Let's save the game of the week. Let's talk about that last. And let's talk about the primetime games that we're getting. Let's move on to those. Uh, Chiefs and Packers. December trip to Lambeau for the Chiefs. Uh, Should be a fun one. Packers coming off again. That big win at Detroit on Thanksgiving. Jordan Love looked amazing in that game. Don't know if Aaron Jones is going to be good to go or if A.J. Dillon is going to be good to go. So Patrick Taylor could be the starting running back for the Packers in this one. 
and probably Packer fans are crossing the fingers saying, please, no, we need at least one of them to be healthy. You know, you'd like both of them, but if you can have one of them, fine. So Chiefs and, pa- and Packers. Chiefs overcame some second-half struggles last week. You know, they were down early and then scoring 31-0 to zero, or 31-3 zero, and winning 31-17, to 17, outscoring the Raiders in that stretch. Rasheed Rice had an amazing game, went over 100 yards, and stepped up and showed out, in which they need somebody in this group of receivers to do that. And if it's Rice, then that can really help this offense a little bit, can elevate it up. And so you hope the second half struggles, issues that they've had, that was fixed last week and that they don't have to worry about that. But you're going to Lambeau in December. You know the weather is going to be – it's not going to be fun. And so be prepared to dress warmly and uh, get ready for that environment. And they're going to be ready to go. Sunday night crowd. It's going to be it's going to be rocking. You got an 8-3 Chiefs team coming in. Packers, the Chiefsheads are going to be ready to go for this one. And despite how well Jordan Love looked and how he looks like he's improved, this Chiefs defense, I think, can carry over into Lambeau. Spagnolo has got this defense playing awesome football. They're top five in scoring defense, yards allowed, uh, sacks, all that good stuff. All those big stats that you have out there, they're in the top five of all all of them. So I think they make life a little bit difficult for Jordan Love. They do get a turnover, too, and they do get to him. I think the Chiefs do win this one. And I don't know what the line is, but it's around six, around seven, so around touchdown. So... Chiefs, I think their defense will carry over into this trip over in December at Lambeau. And I think even though Love has improved, they'll make him they'll make him have a couple of mistakes in this one. And I'll take the Chiefs here to win this one. Now we got the Monday night game. The Bengals at Jaguars didn't this game looks a whole lot less fun than it did, you know, a few weeks ago. Which thought, okay, you got Burrow versus Lawrence. Now it's Jake Browning versus Trevor Lawrence. See what I'm getting at? Doesn't seem as fun. We don't know if the Bengals will have their playmakers out there, if Higgins will be out there. Uh, Mixon will need to perform better than what he did last week. And you know, Browning, uh, you know, talking about, you know, the lack of a quarterback battle here, he had his moments last week but they struggled to get anything consistent in moving the ball downfield, and he needed a couple tip passes to really get anything moving downfield thanks to Jamar Chase. And so I do think the Bengals can help, their playmakers can help elevate the offense and elevate this young quarterback, or not even young, this inexperienced quarterback. I think Jacksonville, they're 8-3 right now. They see where things are, are at in the AFC, you know, who knows? Maybe the Packers do beat the Chiefs, or maybe something happens and the Commanders do give the Dolphins a fight. They could find themselves up near the top of the AFC once again. Now, you got the Ravens still up there, but the Ravens, I believe, they're on their bye week. If, if uh, Yeah, they're on their bye week. So they can maybe make a move here 
And uh, they got a prime opportunity to, on Monday night, to have the crowd there. I think I will take the Jaguars here. And, you know, if it was Burrow, this game would have been a whole lot more interesting. But it's not. Jaguars are favored by over a touchdown in this one. So I will take the Jacksonville Jaguars to win this game on Monday night football and get to 9-3. and Now let's talk about the game of the week. And let's talk about the NFC Championship rematch we've all been waiting for. 49ers at Eagles. And a couple things to note here. The Eagles are coming in as underdogs. Despite being, despite having the best record in the league at 10 and 1, being 5 and 0 at home, they're three point underdogs. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to say that, that this team that is 10 and 1, and while they haven't played their, per- they haven't played perfect football, but they've been tough, gritty, and pulled out some close wins, they're underdogs here. Against a team that is ain't three, but has seemingly bounced back after having their struggles before their buy. And you know, speaking of somebody who struggled before the buy, Brock Purdy, he did. And since the buy, he's been pretty good. He's been sharp, been efficient, been the guy like, oh yeah, we remember him and how good he was early in the season and last year. And he didn't really get to play in this game last year. Against the Eagles. What was it? One drive? So, kind of like the Aaron Rodgers thing, but Eagles got to him, and I think it was, what, Josh Johnson that started for that game, and Eagles had it all wrapped up. And so, I imagine there's a lot of talk in the 49ers camp that, hey, that was a fluke. Our quarterback got hurt basically on the first possession. If he didn't, we would have been y'all. Well, now this is a game to try to prove that. Even though it's a different setting and it's a regular season game, this is the game to prove that, hey, if Brock was healthy last year, we wouldn't have been y'all at Philly. And I also got to imagine the Eagles are tired of all that talk and they just want to put the pads on and just get ready to go out there and play. And it's like, it's shut up time. Let's go out there and play and see what happens. And so this game, oh man, it's going to be so much fun. Right now, and take a look at the Eagles. They're secondary. They're, they're going to be on point, watching out for Debo, watching out for Ayuk, making sure Kittle, you got to watch him. A couple things, though, for the Eagles that could be good news. You might get Godare back. That's been talked about. And you also might get Lane Johnson back. And that could really help against a San Francisco defense. That's the number one scoring defense in the league. And has played awesome since adding Chase Young, adding another pass rushing element to that defense that already was pretty good at getting to the quarterback. Now it's a whole lot better. So a couple things to look at. And also for the DBs matchups with the 49ers and Eagles, 49ers DBs have got to be ready to go because A.J. Brown, I think, is not going to have a game like he's had the last couple games. they got to watch out for him. Devontae Smith... Gotta watch out for him. If they do get Godair back, that could really help out the Eagles. And just to talk about Jalen Hurts, I mean, that would help him out. Jalen Hurts has played some good football here. He's been tough. 
and he he's played like a top five quarterback, top ten at least. Even though he's had a couple turnover issues this year, he, he he's clutched. I mean, he's put the Eagles in situations to win and got them in those situations. So, man, this is going to be a battle and a half with this group of 49ers and Eagles going to battle against each other. And a thing that consider Niners have gotten some extra days off since they played on Thanksgiving, too. So they got a little mini buy to rest up and get ready for Philly. And that can really help out the Niners in getting ready for this one. One another thing to take note of with Philly's defense. I wonder how well McCaffrey's going to do against their run defense. They've only allowed 85.3 yards per game on the ground this year. But the last couple weeks, and we saw Josh Allen tear him up last week when he was on the run. Run defense hasn't been all that great. So you wonder if McCaffrey can get going against Philly's run defense. So they got to be ready on front seven and the back half of that secondary. Everybody on that Philly defense has got to be ready for this one. But this one is going to be a fun one at Philly. I think I'm going to take the Niners here. I think the Niners do get their revenge. And maybe this could be a scenario where it's a potential NFC championship preview again. And where they're back at Philly and maybe Philly gets their revenge at that at that point. Where it's like, you know, you've seen the, these types of situations play out where a matchup like this happens in the regular season. A team wins. And then they play each other in the championship or or conference championship or whatever. And the team that lost, like, let's get revenge and they get the win at the time they need to. So that can be a thing that happens here. But uh, I will take the 49ers to uh, win this game. And I think they do prove, uh, well, I think they say, hey, if we had Rock Party, we would have had a chance to beat you last year. But because we didn't, we didn't have a chance. And so I think they go out here and say, with Brock, we would have had a chance to beat y'all last year. But but they go out in this game as healthy as they can be and win this game against the Eagles. So I will take the 49ers here to win this NFC title game a rematch. But uh, it's going to be a fun one. All eyes in the NFL are on this game this week and are looking forward to it. So, everybody, that is the NFL. That is a week. Number 13, uh, again, looking forward to all these games, seeing what happens and what unfolds as we head to week number 14, in which there's, take a look at it, you got Eagles, Cowboys, Titans, Dolphins, Bills, Chiefs, Seahawks, and 49ers facing off again. So there's a couple of interesting games on the slate next week, but we'll talk about all those games next week and see what happens this week. So, That will do it for us this week, everybody. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Again, greatly appreciate you tuning in, however you may be tuning in and taking some time out of your day. It means a lot. Be sure to go check us out where you guys get your podcasts. Be sure to go follow the show there. Keep up with the latest episodes. Of course, we're going to be talking about next week, the CFP with all things being settled next week and talking about some of the interesting bowl games that are going to be announced in the coming days and we're going to be recapping this 49ers 
Eagles matchup. So you don't want to miss that. And of course, next week we'll I don't know if we're gonna be doing the two pods thing. We might be doing the two pods thing next week, but with bowl season and college football changing up now, might be a little bit different. So keep in keep in tune with what's going on next week. But thank you all so much for tuning in. Hope you guys have a good Friday, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you all next time.